Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. How you doing? What's up? What's going down? Well, it's cold, but we've got no snow. So it's like, oh, that's a different kind of climate change hell that I kind of didn't really think about. <laughs> it's also cold over here, and we also have no snow, so... <laughs> I mean... Okay, but I mean, if you had snow, that would be really not, not good. It would be really not good. But you know what I did get this week? No, what? I got my flu shot. Oh, very nice. Yeah, got my flu shot. Uh, And so hoping to get through this holiday season without getting any of the respiratory um, stuff that's been floating around. Because as it, as you all know, it's been getting pretty bad pretty much everywhere. And so that is also coming to where I am um, in Tongva territory in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, I'm just hoping to avoid that. (laughs) Yeah, super smart. And if you are like me and uh, you have nonstop uh, sick children and sick adults, your flu shot gets extended and extended and extended into the future because people keep getting sick every time you get your appointment. (laughs) So that's where I'm at. But we also, as, as this week, have all gotten our shots. So make sure you get your flu shot, get your bivalent shot. You know, what the hell? Get your measles shot if it's out of date. Like, why not? Let's let's do these things. Get a tetanus if you step on a nail, you know, do, do the thing, do the thing that needs to That's be right. done. That's right. There's no fucking around, right? We are past the time of fucking around. But um, how are you? I'm good. Can I rant to you about something for a second, though? Absolutely. You've heard me rant about this before. So, I mean, feel free to, like, close your ears and, like, I don't know, go make some tea or something while I do this for the listeners. But I'm like... So over <laughs> hearing anything about financial literacy. I'm just over it. I'm done with it. I feel like it has like this wave of support over and over and over again that just never the fuck goes away. And again, this week, I've been seeing a bunch of, you know, campaigns as, you know, it's a perfect time because of inflation campaigns from people about how our societies require financial literacy. And this always comes up as a like some sort of failing in our educational system. Like, Mm -hmm. why haven't they taught our kids about, I don't know, financial literacy? Sometimes it comes up as how to apply for loans for school or, you know, like uh, what I was seeing this week is like, you know, our kids don't know anything about taxes, like <laughs> how to pay their taxes. And it's just like, uh, no, stop, stop. Okay. The whole thing about financial literacy is this way to blame poor people for being poor. It's like, if you don't know how to manage your finances, um, then it is your fault that the price of bread is now completely unreasonable. Don't blame the grocers. Don't blame this fucking system. Blame the fact that in school, nobody taught you how to, I don't know, do your taxes. A system of, uh, you know, uh, of tax collection that changes literally every single time there's an election because, you know, the, the government's 
promised something different and now taxes are so complicated because of all of the fucking tax credits and whatever. No one's going to be able to teach you that. Plus, there's a whole group of people in our society that don't need to learn anything about taxes because they just outsource that shit because they don't need to afford it <laughs> to, to like figure it out because they can afford somebody else to deal with it for them. And it's just like financial literacy is not the reason why anyone is in a difficult financial place. They're in difficult financial places because the system is meant to operate in such a way that we are in difficult financial places. Like what you learned about your taxes this year, as someone who's done my taxes myself for most of my life, listen, what you learn about your taxes this year, it's not going to be the same next year because it changes all the fucking time. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> it does not help you get out of some sort of financial hole. So in conclusion, <laughs> poor people and people who have lived in poverty are better at be, like being financially literate because they know how to stretch a fucking dollar more than anyone who has oodles and oodles and bundles and bundles of money to spend who never need to be financially literate because they just have cash, they have means, they have resources. And that is the problem. Not, not knowing things about money. None of that is going to have an impact on how inflation is fucking us all. So please... Please stop this. Thank you. This PSA brought to you by a very frustrated Sandy Hudson. Wow. 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 Well, I have heard that rant before. And um, do you know what I got in the mail this week? Um, an offer to go to a free financial literacy class? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, a lot of provinces have premiers that are handing out money to people to deal with the high costs of everything, um, which, of course, is not really going to tackle any of the issues like price controls would. <laughs> For example, no one seems to remember what price controls are. I haven't heard anyone talking about like actually just controlling and legislating the price of shit. But anyway, I got my $523 check from the premier of this province. So, yeah, that's something. Whoop-de-whoop. Whoop-de-whoop. But you know what? We have people to thank, and we have a contest to remind you about. So. Oh, yay. What do we do first? Let's do some, let's, thanking people, maybe? Let's thank people. I love it. Okay. So thank you so, so, so much to everybody that donated for the first time or changed their donation or whatever, told someone to donate, shared the podcast. We love you all. But specifically this week, thank you so much to Jacob, Colin, Marissa, Christine, Carrie, Stephanie, Emma, Rachel, Karen, a different Emma. And I also have to give a super special shout out to a very cool teenager named Eva, who's also donating uh, to us through uh through their mother's account. So, hey, and uh, thank you all of you so, so much. We really, really appreciate it. And let's tell you about the contest. So much like last year, we are going to give away some books. We're giving away three copies of Spin Doctors by the famous, the illustrious, the amazing Nora Loretto. And Aww. three copies of um, Until We Are Free, Black Lives Matter in Canada, which is edited by myself, uh, Rodney DeVerlis, and Cyrus Marcus Ware. So we're giving away six books, and all you have to do is email us and let us know what your favorite episode was this year. Tell us about that. That's right. And so far, 
no two people have said the same episode, which I love. I love about this, this contest. I've been sharing them on Twitter. So if you're curious to see what other people are saying, just search my Twitter handle, no lore, uh, and contest, and it should pop up. Or Sandy and Nora contest. It, those kind of things will will work, and you'll find the, the thread. So thanks to everyone who's submitted so far. We will announce the names next week, which will be our last episode of uh, 2022. So get your... Oh my God! Get your boots I can't on. believe we're here already. I know, I know, wow. I know, I know. And so, what are we talking about today? In the in the late days of 2022. Well, a few things, but first, let's do a Christia Freeland watch. There hasn't been oh, yeah. one for a little bit because she hasn't really been around. But she did say something last week. There, there was, you know, she she made some comments about the state of our healthcare system. Um, uh, do you want to know what she said? Honestly, no, I, I don't care. But I think that we've uh, we got to commit to the bit. So go ahead. OK, she says that Canadians are frustrated and frightened and we all have to work together to do something about it while making sure that we don't impact quality and that that will take spending. It's oh. almost like she's like you or I, you know, it's almost like, <laughs> like she's got a she's podcast an advocate. And just it, it's, it's, it's like she's like, this is what we need to do. It's like, yeah, we know that. How are you going to do it? <laughs> like, You're the guy <laughs> that needs yeah. to do it. Do the thing. Don't tell us about it. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't understand. It's just so gross how politicians get away with doing that these days. Like, I know what needs to happen. Good. Make it fucking happen. <laughs> like you could have, you've been in power for how long could have done it years ago, could have prevented the situation that we're in now. But there we are. Christian Freeland saying what the people say. Amazing. Um, that's just, uh, that's just amazing. I'm not at all surprised by any of that. And I'm so glad that we've spent three minutes on this and nothing more. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. What are we talking about today? Well, before we get to the main topic, I do want to give an update. The story last week um, was a difficult story. And since we talked about the um, the charges that had been laid against a white supremacist serial killer in Winnipeg, um, the news has uh, gone national, thankfully, which is really, really great and important. And uh, the focus, of course, is on whether or not um, the families can pressure the police and probably I imagine politicians will have to get involved to actually search the dump where they believe uh, some of the remains of some of the victims are. And I just want to mention that so much of the heavy lifting, so much of the activism and the attention um, on, on this whole story is being done by one of the victim's two daughters. So the daughter of Morgan Beatrice Harris, Kira and Cambria Harris, have been uh, doing press conferences and interviews and their words are so powerful and they are so strong and they shouldn't have to be and it's heartbreaking. But I just want to make sure that you are paying attention to the story and that if you haven't seen Kira and Cambria's comments in the news, you have to go listen and uh, find out if there's any um, distance support that you can get involved in. Or if you're in Winnipeg, of course, there are rallies and other events. So make sure that you're doing what you can to bring attention to this issue. Yes, thank you. Um, And our main story tonight is a weird, strange article that came out in the Globe and Mail 
which kind of, I mean, the the responses to it, I guess, was it viral? Can we say that it was viral? I don't know. I'm not on Twitter that much, but I did see it on Twitter. And I, and I, um, I, I feel like I interacted with at least one other person this week who was talking about it. It's an opinion piece that was published in the Globe and Mail by Gus Carlton, that the title of which is Not Just Inflation, Shoplifting and Soft on Crime Policies in the U.S. Push Prices Up Too. So this is a Globe and Mail opinion piece that argues that inflation <clears throat> can barely say this with a straight face, that inflation is in part caused <laughs> by shoplifting and not enough cop power. That's what's happening in the Globe and Mail. Isn't it curious? Well, isn't that curious? Isn't that curious? And I think let's let's not give this article too much um, credit for this episode uh, topic. I think that we should think more of this episode as being like why theft is actually good <laughs> or something like that. But we have to talk about this article because it is very, very curious. It is very curious. Curious. Super curious. Yes. So it was published... Um, remind me on Saturday. I mean, the the date's not actually on the Saturday, article. December tenth. No, very strange. It says published yesterday, which is weird because I feel like I spoke about this to someone at some point this week. But in any case, it says it was published yesterday, and we're recording this on Sunday, December eleventh. So that would make it published on December the tenth. The weird thing, the weird thing about this article is that as we were talking about doing this, uh, talking about this topic. A few minutes before the show, Nora was also looking for this article, and we found that a very similar article was placed in another publication. And it's what's strange is it's not written by Gus Carlton, not written by this U.S.-based columnist for the Globe and Mail, which is what his tagline is here uh, on the Globe and Mail. And I mean, that maybe you're like, that's not strange. But what is strange is that it almost seems to follow uh, a formula. In fact, they quote some of the very same or very similar uh, statements from people. So, for example, in the Globe and Mail article, um, Right Aid's chief retail officer, Andre Prasad, is quoted as saying that thefts uh, represent sharp year-over-year increases in shrinkage in the company's New York City drugstores, which represent unexpected headwinds, and the company is looking at literally putting everything behind these locked showcases. And in the article that Nora found... Well, it doesn't quote the chief retail officer. They quote Rite Aid's chief uh, executive officer, Hayward Donegan, who noted in, now I'm quoting, in a September earnings call that her chain experienced, quote, unexpected headwings, headwinds from shrink, quote, particularly in our New York urban stores, unquote. The company saw $5 million increases in shrink this year, according to CFO Matt Schrodiger, Schroeder. Schroeder. So this is an article that um, is written by someone named Anna Allen and was published three days earlier than the Globe and Mail article for a conservative newspaper called the Washington Free Beacon. Now, it's not just Rite Aid that is uh, appears in both of these articles. Sandy, uh, do you have a Walmart quote in the Glo- Globe and Mail article? 
Yes, this week, Walmart Inc. Chief Executive Officer Doug McMillan said that theft was at a historic high and shrinkage would likely lead to higher prices and store closings. Hmm, okay, because Walmart CEO Doug McMillan told CNBC Tuesday that theft is, quote, higher than what it has historically been, unquote. Walmart is just one of several top retailers reporting conserving concerning levels of retail theft. And what about Target? Is Target in your article? Sure is. Target's chief financial officer, Michael Fidelki, whatever, told <laughs> investors last month that shoplifting increased 50% year over year and shrinkage retail lingo for goods lost. to th- We don't need an explanation for shrinkage. <laughs> I mean, I I might, but okay. Yeah, I got Target's... Okay, and shrinkage, blah, 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 blah. The number is expected to hit $600 million by year end, he said. Yeah, Target's CFO, Michael Fidelki, told investors in November, <laughs> Target's year-over-year shrink has already uh, reduced our gross margin by more than $400 million versus last year, and we expect to reduce our gross margin by more than $600 million for the full year. Um, and he says the industry-wide problem is driven by criminal networks that are collaborating with multiple stakeholders to find industry-wide solutions. Oh, they are, not the criminal networks. I was going to say <laughs> criminal networks are stakeholders. Okay. Um, what's going on here? This seems, um, uh, I mean, if I was a journalism professor, I'd be given um, Mr. Carlson, Carlson, Carlton in the Globe Mail an F (laughs) for what the fuck. (laughs) Yeah, this is, I mean, this is one of those things that uh, is like, hey, people should be media literate, maybe not financially literate, but media literate. (laughs) Nice, nice uh, parallel there. Thank you very much. Way to bring it back around. You know what? I feel like in a post-truth universe, that's something we could learn (laughs) in, in, uh, in, you know, formative education is learning how to see through bullshit on the internet. But what I think this is, is that this is clearly placed articles, okay? And this placed article, I would guess, like, you know, I know a lot of journalists listen to us, so if you're a journalist out there, maybe do some investigating into this, because this is kind of, this to me is, like, interesting, and it would be good to know where this actually came from and who is trying to um, make this sort of, uh, um, make these arguments happen, because the, the conclusion of the article is essentially that there needs to be more law enforcement, that they need to put more money into cops, and that um, defunding the police policies are bad. <laughs> like that's that's where this concludes. But it mentions the National Retail Federation. Both of these articles do, and it also mentions that the National Retail Federation, which represents uh, stores like Rite Aid and Target and the Gap, Marshalls, Walgreens, Starbucks, all of these stores are mentioned in this article. Um, they've put out some sort of um, fucking survey or something this year that talks about the uh, the losses that have happened over the year and uh, and how that has impacted them it's really curious that they're tying that to inflation like curious and hilarious it's like there's there's a throwaway line in this article that says many still try to blame the problem on the pandemic though that argument doesn't explain anything how how does that argument not explain anything people <laughs> like the the pandemic uh is is like the right wing argument for this stuff it's like very hilarious that in a in a pro cop universe that that doesn't work um but it's like that's really interesting that that uh gets lands in the globe and mail and that's and it lands there just like that 
Um, without talking about, of course, these very retailers themselves and the way that that they impact uh, inflation. But I mean, all of this is to say, I, you know, we are about to talk about theft, but I do want to say one one final thing about this sort of like thing that's being uh, done here, which is like a, a coordinated campaign. This is a PR campaign, clearly, if it's being placed in multiple uh, sources uh, to 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 get this sort of argument out there. I mean, we've seen this also recently in Canada through uh, this organization called Help Seeker. So some of you may have seen this in the news. I think the Taiyi actually broke this news in Press Progress has a follow up. Uh, Help Seeker is a Calgary-based social impact firm that has um, has placed that that has um, released a number of reports that have been purchased essentially by police departments by the Vancouver Police Department by Edmonton by Ottawa um, where they uh, they come up with this conclusion by doing an audit on the finances of these municipalities that also run uh, police, services, they conclude that uh, $5 billion per year, this is for the Vancouver report, is spent on social services, which costs residents $7,200 annually each. And the idea is that um, they are overspending on on uh, social services and that that's that needs to be wound down and it is not and it's uh, not that it is having an impact on their ability to pay for safety essentially it's and all of this sort of these sort of reports have happened post 2020 and it, police are paying for these reports for these you know supposedly objective reports that are just looking at social spending and the the overture in social spending it doesn't say how they're looking at social spending or nor does it break it down there's some really good breakdowns uh, that press progress uh, points to um, in another uh, article from Biv.com, I believe, that that shows that the, the report itself is bullshit, but it's just like really, really curious. And so uh, in being media literate, make sure that when you see these sorts of things that are super obviously placed in a propaganda sort of way, um, that you think about where is this coming from? And do I see this uh, being presented in multiple places? And if so, is this a campaign or is this actual news? Yes, yes. So, um I thought it was very fascinating to see now like the 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 explanation of one of the reasons for inflation being as bad as it is being theft, right? Like let's actually engage now with the content of of this argument. Although I will mention that the National Retail Federation, um, at least according to Open Secrets, which is a not-for-profit that uh, tracks lobbying in the United States, they've spent about $7.7 million on lobbying in 2022 alone. Um, and so uh, it could just be that they've got lobbyists that are placing these stories. <laughs> Possible. I don't know. Um, but maybe. Um, but, like, let's let's think about that. So it's theft. Theft is driving up inflation. And the, the really useful, um, the really useful trick with saying that theft is what's driving up inflation is that it puts the blame fully on thieves, <laughs> on people who 
we uh, are taught as children to not like, right? Um, like no one likes a robber or maybe you have a fascination with robbers, but you know, they're, they're bad. Right. And it's like, these robbers are uh, spoiling it for all of us because if it wasn't for the robbers, we would not be paying $2 more for eggs and $3 more for milk. Um, it's their fault. If not wholly their fault, it's partially their fault. And then the solutions become, um, as you say, more cops and stores and that kind of thing. Now it doesn't actually really add up because like, Number one, the retail industry in Canada, uh, certainly the retail industries and supermarkets like sell goods that are like kind of essential. Um, they're doing really fucking well. And one of those companies is a company called Loblaw. Now, Loblaw uh, Companies Limited or Loblaws, I'm going to say Loblaws because that's what I have always called it. Um, their third quarter profits were up about 30% in uh this year compared to last year like sounds that's, nice that's nice shareholders earned i love how they say this this is from ctv shareholders earned 556 million dollars for quarter three um payouts so that's the net uh, income that they're uh, that they're paying out to shareholders and you know like so loblaws isn't just uh grocery it's also pharmacy and that and that article from the globe and mail and from the washington beacon uh, started off by talking about american pharmacies or drugstores and so it's like so here we are in canada and they're making fucking tons of profit 30 percent higher in 2022 than they were in 2021 loblaws has said that that mostly is thanks to how much People are spending in their drugstores, which makes sense because we're all fucking totally sick and we're all buying lots of nose rinses or whatever the fuck. Uh, we're, I mean, I, I couldn't actually get past the, the Globe and Mail paywall um, in this article, Sandy. Did, did he mention the profits that some companies like Loblaws are making? No, they do not talk about Loblaws, uh, and, um, what they've made. In fact, they don't talk about um, the revenues for or the profits for any of these companies, which is... Quite a missing piece, I'd say. Yeah, because not just Lala's. I mean, Metro and Sobeys also posted um, higher profits this year than they did uh, in the last five years on average. Um, and this is news coming from back in November, uh, as all of this is being grabbed from November. As we know, uh, the, the Carlton piece in The Globe is also drawing on data from November. For some reason, they're being published um, yesterday. But anyway, um, but a report from the Canadian Press uh, notes that, that, the, that the three top grocery chains in Canada had um, higher profits compared to five-year averages. And, you know, this this whole headwinds, beware, watch out kind of language, th this always happens. Like, this is always the way that CEOs and CFOs talk about um, what's coming down the pike, whether or not it actually is coming down the pike. You usually hear the headwinds conversations most with um, with banks, right? And, and they're always like, ooh, uh, headwinds, gravel runway, tricky times. We're not sure. And then it's like, oh, uh, actually record-breaking billion-dollar profits again. How did that happen? So, you know, those are the grocery and the, and, the, and the pharmacy chains in Canada. But it also doesn't exactly matter what we're talking about in terms of the retail uh, side of theft. Like, the real story of theft in this country is wage theft, is the theft of from workers is the mm -hmm. theft of, of of scamming a worker out of overtime of forcing workers to pay for their uniforms of scamming workers out of their lunch break or other statutory breaks that they're supposed to be able to get like wage theft is what helps to propel 
these profits. And wage theft is such a massive problem in this country that um, the fact that the Globe and Mail is making this about an American fucking deodorant being behind the glass at a Walgreens, whatever the fuck that is, story, is pretty funny and interesting and also not at all shocking if the Globe and Mail is in the business of manufacturing consent, which of course they are. That's the business that they're in. So, you know, we've got this like theft is a real problem. It's like, yes, theft is a real problem. And it's wage theft. That's the problem. And, and Sandy, did you know that between 1935 and 1955, Canada actually had a law on the books that made wage theft illegal? Sorry. Did you say there was an end date to that law? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it hasn't been uh, enforced since 1955. And why the fuck would that be? <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I haven't read the this very interesting academic paper on um, the years of the wage theft laws, 1935, 1955. Yeah, I mean, gosh, like, I mean, I hope I don't need to tell uh, people uh, who listen to this podcast that it's not like fucking theft. <laughs> it's so hard to say with <laughs> without laughing that it's not fucking theft that causes uh, inflation. Like, man, look at your, the, the, the way that people will look at anything except for the people who are raising the prices themselves, eh? It's like, man, what causes this price to be higher? Is it the person who's setting the price? No, it's the thieves. It's, it's the illness. It's the disease. It's like literally anything the fuck else except for the dude who is making the prices, who is setting the prices. Um, uh, and the dudes is what I mean by that. And by that, I mean all of these corporations. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like you, in order to believe this article, you also have to believe that, um, you know, these big box stores uh, operate like uh, with making sure that they essentially have no losses, that they operate without um, accounting for loss, whether those losses be uh, theft losses or because they didn't sell everything by the fucking expiration date, which happens with literally everything in these stores. I mean, as someone who worked at sellers, let me tell you, there's a lot that goes in the fucking garbage. It's like, this is not... I, that that does not have to do with how um, prices go up. Like, that's not how our economic system works. And then, of course, as you say, there's theft that's, like, built into our whole economic system because our economic system is based on exploiting people and not paying them fairly for their labor. There has to be surplus value taken from somewhere so someone else gets rich. It's like that's how this entire system works. We know this. Um, and so, it, I mean, it's really, really fucked up uh, to be blaming this on theft. And then the other piece of this is, you know, one of I, my most interesting lessons that I learned uh, in, in law school was? What's that? I mean, it's not at all one of my most interesting lessons. I don't know why I phrased it that way. But in any case, we're in criminal law and we're learning about like the history of how they've they made certain laws laws. I mean, the history of, of theft laws is because who was controlling the system? Wealthy people. And when you compare that to the history of, for example, murder laws, it's like it's it's really interesting. There are justifications built in to laws that become criminal uh, based on whether or not whomever were making those laws at the time could imagine themselves in such a situation. So an example is that like uh, the the crime of murder 
there for a long time in common law spaces uh, were was a justification which meant that you know you either get a reduced sentence or perhaps no sentence at all there it is there is a justifiableness to this uh, for uh, murders that occurred that had uh, the basis behind them of adultery adultery is a justification for murder in like the history of that law but there is no justification for theft though there were Arguments about, well, what if a person is hungry? Can that not be a justification for theft? The people who are making the laws, who are wealthy, are like, why would that person, why would people be hungry and have to have to take something? No one's going to take my shit. So there is no justification for theft. So these the, the way that the system is set up to benefit wealthy people are built into the laws that we create. And, I mean, think about this at its, at its base. The law of theft... I mean, it's it's it, it's based on literally the theft of bread. Like that's where it comes from. Like from back in the day, like the theft of anything for sure. But it's you know to the base level a, a theft of bread. Like that is always bad. That is always bad in our system, and there's no justification for it. And at its base level, what we're saying is someone who is hungry, and doesn't have the means to feed themselves cannot do whatever possible to take the means to feed themselves and stay alive. It is more virtuous in our legal system for that person to die than it is for them to take what they need, (laughs) which is an outrageous thing. That is the basis for the, the law of theft. And I think that it is worth it for us as a society or as people generally to be skeptical of all of our laws and to really try to think about where they come from. But the laws about theft are really, really quite immoral if you think about where they come from, which is to benefit the wealthy and to make sure that the poor and the impoverished stay in their place and and don't ever um, revolt against the wealthy without having serious consequences placed on them. Yeah, you know, it's it, like we are entering this we're in this era and it's getting worse of 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 runaway inflation and the the cost of living has always been very difficult. I mean, Canadians have been overextended for a long time. It's been I think what 10 years of household debt far outpacing household income. And uh, now after the pandemic is, you know, been on for 3 years and we're still trying to live through it while we're also still like in this like moment of the pandemic never happened, everything's good. Um, obviously, people are going to be struggling more than ever. We're seeing um, record high usage of food banks, and like it, it, it's inflation that is that is more related to why people will be stealing more than the other way around. Like it's like I'm so offended by this whole this this article. I think. Um, I mean, I was offended by the content until I saw it was basically plagiarized, and now I'm, like, doubly offended. But um, offended by, like, taking the actual issue, which is that the the cost of living is skyrocketing and people cannot afford to to eat, and then that's the reason why we've got inflation. Like, it's so fucked to to, to make that the argument that it makes me, like, want to punch holes into stuff. Like, I just – like, you have to be an evil fucking mastermind to come up with that line, and then you have to be a fucking piece of shit to then write it in a national newspaper and a piece of shit to edit it and say, oh, yes, this is very good. I, I'm not going to waste my time to see if it's 
cribbed from an American right-wing fucking uh, news source, but whatever. Um, and so, yeah, like, I think that, that it is, it is that the, the moment does demand that we, that we interrogate, like, what is happening here? Like, what, what is happening when we, when we, when we fund police officers to be stationed inside the doors of a local grocery store? What is happening when workers uh, who are making bread at a bakery, at, a, at an industrial bakery, uh, forget the fact that COVID has ravaged them and maybe some of their coworkers had died. They don't get to take home whatever they want at the end of the day of their own work. Um, they, they're not making enough money to actually buy their own food. Like, I, you know, that's all theft. That's all theft. And I mean, theft, you know, runs right through the core of this fucking country, right? Right down to the fact that Canada's literally uh, built on theft. I mean, Canada is theft. <laughs> so the question is just who's... This entire, this entire continent is theft. This, in, this entire, <laughs> this entire hemisphere is theft. Yeah. It's like, come on. It's all, it's like, it's just the question is who's stealing from who and whose theft is, is virtue. That's literally the question is whose theft is virtuous. And the and, and our societies answer that question with the theft that is virtuous is the theft of the owners, of the management class, of the people that can extract wages and labor and uh, through violence and oppression of the working class. Like that is that's that's all we're talking about here. Um, and so, I mean, it's kind of nice to have like a rare window into the thinking patterns of these kinds of fucking people, I guess, in this country. But it certainly does, I mean, two things to me. It makes me feel like a lot of, um, uh, you know, desperation in terms of like just how far like average people have to go to make certain kinds of points. Because, I mean, I was I was saying online, I'm like, yeah, theft is good. And there's a lot of people who are fucking bootlicking for the likes of Galen Weston out there being like, theft's actually bad. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, it's not. Um, but then I'm also very happy about the fact that I get to think of Les Mis like nonstop. And if you don't know what Les Mis is, uh, I mean, look it up because the, <laughs> the whole play is related to and book uh, is related to uh, a guy stealing bread to live. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know. I mean, I sh- I think that somewhere deep down in our uh, societal culture, there is like some somewhere we know that there is a beating heart of theft <laughs> that is that is good. Like as a a person who uh, is, is poor or in poverty, it like makes sense to steal. Otherwise we wouldn't have fucking Robin Hood as like one of the most famous uh, children's stories of like stealing from the rich to give to the poor at some, some level. We, we know that there is some virtue in that, but it doesn't translate to the way that we think about um, how our society is set up. It's like, it's also the things that we call theft, right? Like, think about the idea that, you know, grocers all over this country are throwing out food every day. They're throwing out expired food that doesn't get purchased from, uh, from, from the shelves. And the producers of that food, if they're produced in Canada through um, uh, the food production system in Canada, there are some grants that come from the federal government and there's support that comes from the federal government. And that means the federal and provincial governments. And that means that that support is coming from us. And so when retailers are refusing to, you know, uh, make it such that they can get rid of all of the food that they're selling, is that a form of theft? Should there be a limit to the amount of food that they're able to throw out? Should they be required uh, to ensure that certain amounts of food are are provided for, for, for free for people? Because 
fucking food, um, the ability to sustain life should be a fucking human right. Like, should we think about that as theft? Like, we should think about what we, the parameters that we place on these sort of moralistic ideas that always somehow, somehow, somehow make it the fault of the people who have the least means to do anything different Somehow it's always their fault. And the people with the most means, they're the ones who are struggling that we need to to change systems for us, that we need to get more cops for, that we need to spend more and more money for, even though they're still making billions and billions of dollars in profit. Like, I don't know, is Rite Aid in, in, in danger of closing? Is Loblaws? Is fucking... Walmart, one of the largest (laughs) companies in the goddamn world. Are you kidding me? That's who you need to advocate for in the opinion pages of the Globe and Mail when it comes to a worldwide inflation problem that everyone is dealing with. Come on. I have uh, something very um, funny to add to this, but before, I'm I'm so glad that you did mention the waste of food in supermarkets. And one of the best forms of activism, I think, is recovering that food. And so I want to give a shout out to Maddie, who um, we met in Vancouver, and who's involved with Food Not Bombs. And Food Not Bombs is one of those groups, an anti-war statement that feeds people with recovered food. Um, because it's not like they're throwing out the worst food. Like some of the food, actually a lot of the food is totally edible. I remember the first time I ever walked by Cobb's Bakery in Toronto, um, which is a chain, uh, and and saw someone like throwing out two bags of literally still hot bread at the end of the day. Like it was, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? So if you're not involved with Food Not Bombs, um, you should definitely check it out because they're a really great organization. But, you know, so December 10th, this article comes out in the Global Mail. Another a piece of news comes out on December 10th, Sandy, and it, this is published in the Windsor Star. So here's the headline. Windsor police arrest 21 people in two-day retail theft crackdown. What's that? All right. Okay. That sounds bad. Yeah, yeah. So this, this big theft ring uh, targeting Home Depot and the Great Canadian Superstore in Windsor, 21 people, a chain of theft, and, and the cops got them. Got them. And Sandy, do you know how much money, a two-day initiative, I don't know how many fucking cops would have ta- uh, cost to actually do this, but do you know how much money uh, the, the goods were that they stole were worth? Of these 21 people? Yeah, yeah. So the total amount of merchandise at, at, uh, in question that was recovered through this two-day sting operation of this, of this 21-person network in Windsor. Well, I assume that it's got to be like tens of thousands. Nope. Thousands? Yeah, thousands. $5,100 of recovered stolen merchandise. And for those folks who are not so good at math, that is $242 per person. Sorry, and then and then you have to imagine all of the police hours spent on it. It was probably more expensive uh, yeah. to investigate this theft than and to do this. Was anything reco- did they recover the the items? Is that part of the story? Does it matter? Who cares? Uh, you have to imagine. They said, yeah, that, that was the stolen the stolen merchandise was was fifty one hundred dollars. And you have to imagine it was more expensive. Uh, wow, <laughs> fifty one hundred dollars. Yep. Yep. All right. 
can add that to the statistics that show the police do very, very, very shoddy work on theft in this country. It is like less than, I think it's like, I can't remember the exact number, but it's certainly less than 25% of all theft that's like solved. Yeah. Yeah. No, it may have just been a cover because they also um, got uh, some of these folks, the 21 people, I mean, they impounded three cars. There was breach of probation charges laid against them. They recovered a hundred grams of fentanyl. Um, You know, numerous charges were laid um, in addition to the counts of theft. So um, the actual charges, though, were uh, eight counts of theft under $5,000 and one count of robbery. I mean, it's like this is this is Mickey Mouse stuff. And this is the kind of thing that we're supposed to be like afraid of. This is a, a, a 21. This is a 21 person yeah. theft ring. And this is like like the criminal enterprise. (laughs) They stole less than two hundred and fifty dollars per person. Yeah, it was like they walked out with like two barbecues. Like, good work, guys. Like, what the fuck, right? So, you know, if you're (laughs) you're seeing these stories, um, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. And um, you know, if we lived in a society that gave people their what they needed, I mean, theft would not be an issue at all. Mm-hmm. And if we lived in a society where um, where we actually didn't believe in, like, where we really wanted to stop theft, we would stop theft from the top first, not <laughs> twenty one fucking people in Windsor stealing fifty one hundred dollars worth of merchandise. But then I, I think of you know folks that I knew when I was a kid that worked at the dollar store and were very proud that they stole ten thousand dollars worth of merchandise, which was a lot of one dollar candies. Thank you.